This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This is Small Biz Spotlight, featuring up-close interviews with small business leaders. And now, here's your host, David Wolf. Hi, I'm David Wolf. Joining us on this edition is Peter Lannan. He's the International Trade Director, Chief Representative at the Netherlands Business Support Office and in charge of economic development at the Consulate General of the Netherlands. They're located in San Francisco, California. Among other things, Peter has been involved in a hit television show, the market repositioning of a major recording house, a highly successful initial public stock offering, and two corporate turnarounds. He joins us on the line now from Concord, California to tell us about the work he's doing with business leaders, that's Dutch businesses and U.S. businesses, putting them together in creative and industrious ways. Peter Lannan, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for being with you. So when and how did you originally get involved with the idea, this whole notion of combining or joining U.S. and Dutch businesses together? Well, actually, I came in here for another uh, cause, really, in 1998. I was asked by a fellow Dutchman, a pretty rich fellow Dutchman, I, I may say, to help set up a school in Emeryville. And Emeryville, we all know there's Pixar over there, but uh, they came a year after us. So 1998, I came over here with some, you know, a few, a bucket full of dollars, so to speak. And there was an American called Gary Platt who was supposed to be the president. And he, 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 in the end of the day, he was. He became the president. And we set up a school for animation, sound design, game design, and graphic design in Emeryville. And so after... About seven years, mid-2005, I left the company, and I did a lot of work for private schools, for-profit schools, so to speak, but also for the Dutch government, because they had some big uh, companies coming in that had to be matched with other companies and all that. And so by the middle of 2007, late 2007, they asked me to do that on a, well, let's say on a sustainable basis almost, because we do a lot of sustainability for them and match, you know, young companies that want to come over here, establish themselves in the United States, match them with other companies, or if they have a need for money, try to get them involved in the venture capitalists in Silicon Valley. So it is not only that, it's not only young companies, also bigger companies that want to be matched up. I mean, you know, a lot of companies I known over here, like ING, Philips and all that, yeah. but not too many people do know that. For example, TomTom, the GPS company is also Dutch. So it's a very funny thing that, you know, we have to do these things in order to make the people aware that the Dutch are, at this very moment, third, fourth largest investor in the United States. And for a small company, like, you know, a tenth of the size of California, 
it's uh, it's a pretty big undertaking. Just as a tangent there, if you would, tell us a few names that we might know, listeners might know, that are actually Dutch companies, but they seem to be U.S. companies, maybe, in a matter of speaking. Well, you know, like Royal Dutch Shell, for example. You see them everywhere, right? Right. And uh, it's a combination with the English. But uh, then you have Philips Electronics, and not to be confused with the Philips with double L. Right. And of course, ING. A lot of people will see their billboards, the orange lines on the, on the freeway and all that. So these are massive, massive uh, companies. But also, like the Trans-American Building in, uh, in San Francisco, a landmark, so to speak, I mean, it's owned by Aegon, which is a Dutch insurance company. So there's also a lot of companies like Ahol that own a lot of uh, grocery stores or grocery chains over here in the United States. So it's, uh, but like I said, it's a lot of smaller companies um, or companies that like Arcadis that are dealing with, with dikes and, and levees and water and all that and were settled over here. But look like smaller companies like Brains Online, Berkman Forwarding, you know, companies that are over here because we do a lot with transportation. Um, we do a lot with water, obviously, because a third of our country is below sea level. And so these companies are right now over here also because the levees and, and, and all that are pretty in pretty uh, serious state also in the northern oh, yes. California, oh, yes. as you may know. So. You know, there's a ton of companies that people don't know about but are established over here in the Valley or in Southern California. At the center of all this, if I have this right, the NBSO is really the organizational model. Is is that correct? That is correct. The NBSO, it's it's kind of like for a government, probably unlikely organization. Uh, The NBSO, the Netherlands Business Support Office, is a division of the ministry, Dutch Ministry of Economic Affairs. Okay. And they establish those where there are not uh, actually other consulate generals or embassies to take care of that. So worldwide, there may be about 24 of those MBSOs. And they are also set up to make sure that where there's trade for the Netherlands, like Silicon Valley, Northern California, that there's an entity that take care of their business. We're visiting with Peter Lahn, and he's the International Trade Director and Chief Representative at the Netherlands Business Support Office, or NBSO. The website, www.nbso-california.com. Peter, are there particular scenarios uh, that you look for while you're scanning your radar for opportunities for the Dutch-U.S. merge type of situations that you create? Yes, well, you know, there's uh, the, the Dutch government, um, they're aiming at certain sectors, and these are creative. And also, you got to think of, you know, gaming, like the electronic arts companies of this world. It's biotech, clean tech, and uh, also everything that's got to do with sustainability or green building, if you will. Oh, very cool. All right, very good. So in terms of sectors, but are there scenarios in terms of the dynamics of the companies, where they are, in terms of growth stage or um, a turning point that you look for as well? Well, a lot of these companies are, you know, kind of like very successful in the Netherlands. And uh, if they are looking for something, it is always like, you know, bigger markets. And if you look at Europe, uh, for that matter, I mean, you, you still have, even though we're, the, you know, we're united in that sense, um, you still have all these languages. You know, so a small yes. country like Holland, if they made something like in Dutch, you know, what, what do we have? We have part of Belgium, probably. We have part of South Africa. And kind of that's about it, right? Yes, exactly. All the Dutch we speak. Right. So given the fact that we are kind of trained as a small country to be traders and we speak our languages, um, we want to, if it's like a creative 
thing or uh, like like the Tom Tom thing. We want to go for a market that's big that we do understand, given our ties with the United States for over 400 years now. And if you know, if we think that they have an opportunity to be successful over here, and for that matter, we, for example, we make a market scan for them. So if somebody wants to come over here, they can go to our ministry. They have a special department over there with quickly reacting people, not your typical bureaucrats, so to speak. And so they, they have an intake in the Netherlands. They send it to us or to the other posts in the United States, and we make a market scan for them. And, you know, we also look then. Is it for them really a good thing to be in the United States? Right. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to say, hey, you know, better reinvest your, your money in maybe Germany or Benelux or what have you, but do not come over here. And we say that very politely and mildly because they are the entrepreneurs, because there are so many of those companies over here that may be better or, you know, have a market marketplace already and you got to fight in against them. So, yeah. you know, so we have an advisory role over there as well. Yeah. yeah. So there's this evaluative process that happens with the entrepreneur in order to assess the opportunity. But it is really a largely a function of scale. Correct. Yeah. Tapping into the aggregate demand of, of uh, the demand for that product or service. Correct, um, yeah. Uh, the deals themselves, I'm sure they come in all different flavors and, and sort of orchestrating this must be a, a very interesting challenge. Is there a bias toward companies actually doing a merger per se, or is it more about an operational relationship of some other kind? It's really, it really varies. You know, some people really are looking for agents or distributors. Some people are over here to sell their products and, you know, as, as a whole, so you'll sell them out. But most of the companies are want to come over here. I want to be successful, and uh, you know, there's not that many really that are looking for money in the first place. Even though we do uh, introduce them to venture capitalists and all that, yeah. but if they do, we'll tell them you got to move over here with your uh, research staff because uh, venture capitalists are not going to travel to Holland. So it's like it's really you know we got people that want to be in touch with Google because they got something spectacular. Yeah. And, you know, so it's, it's really varied. For example, it, uh, it's always like the Game Developers Conference. You probably are aware of that one. Well, it's a big show for game developers in San Francisco. And it was uh, two months ago in February. And, you know, so we got a joint booth over there with 18 Dutch companies. There are about 80 to 90 Dutch people over. And if you look at the 18 companies, you know, some want to sell the product, some want to be over here, some want to have a relationship with Electronic Arts and license it out. So it's like... It's, a, it's really, I mean, 11 companies, the elevator pitch. We had a Dutch business breakfast that we organized, and they do elevator pitch. And then we have, like, venture capitalists, bankers, people interested in their products. And in their elevator pitch of one minute, they got to explain what they're doing and how they do it and why they're so unique. I know you've established a resource network for companies that, perhaps Dutch companies that are now in the U.S. that need to tap into legal issues, intellectual property issues, uh, and the like. Tell us a little bit about the resources you've set up. Yeah, so we have uh, almost a network of companies. For example, eFactor is one of them with their lounges and, and helping out um, young entrepreneurs and all that. But if they come over here, it is, you know, even though they speak English and all that good stuff, it's hard for them within a couple of days to find the right lawyer, to find the right CPA, to find the right insurance company and all that. And, you know, in essence, we can really tour them around in two days. Yeah. And they have all these people that are reliable instead of them, you know, getting uh, something out of the yellow pages and hope it goes well. But also we have in our offices in San Mateo, we have an incubator over there. 
meaning that if they want to test the waters, they can be there for three to six months, rather inexpensive. They are then helped and supported by a company called SD Forum. They have 35 years in the valleys. They're in our previous offices, and they can do you know, small day-to-day things, but also they're kind of like 250 events a year about intellectual property, about venture capital, and so they learn while being over there and not making too many mistakes, if any. Peter, do you have a success story, maybe a, a, um, a relationship that you helped orchestrate that really was successful, uh, that you were really involved in, and, and, and maybe tell us the story? Oh, absolutely. We, we got a couple of companies that uh, settled over here uh, over the last couple of years. And uh, one of those companies that we like very much is a company called Xsense, uh, X-S-E-N-S. And they came over about two, three years ago. And the funny thing was, the good thing was, they are a company that uh, do motion capture. You know, like motion capture is used in most of the games nowadays, especially football, Madden football or baseball and all that people in their suits with markers and 12 or 14 cameras around them. And they uh, developed something that's called mobile capture, meaning you do not have fixed cameras, but you can do anything by a PC while walking around. And so they've been looking around for a year or so, been at the Game Developers Conference, uh, sold some stuff to studios and all that. And they are now established in Los Angeles in this case because they've got to be close to the film studios. And there's another company called Hippo, hippo hippo.com. They're an open source company. Yes. And we guided them. And they actually bought two years ago a company in Petaluma, of all places, I would say, but uh, a very successful company. And open open source is also one of those things that's really happening nowadays and probably together with with cloud computing. And so we got a few more of those companies um, that we are trying to help in that way, but also like the bigger companies. If I think, for example, of uh, Arcadis, Arcadis is a company that is taking care of all kind of water. This is their water expert. They're big. I mean, they also were in uh, in Louisiana when it all happens with Katrina. And but what we try to help them is, for example, every six weeks we go to Sacramento and talk to the people over there and then see what's going on and how it works, and so introduce them over there to the right people. Yes. So we're also there for the bigger companies, even they do not need us on a like on a day-to-day basis or you know operational basis. But we know the people, and I think that's why the MBSOs are kind of like uh, different from the rest because you know normally. In a government situation, uh, somebody will be sent out for four years to one post, then we'll go to another post. With the MBSO, the people are there for years and years, and are actually the local Dutchmen being there for five or ten years already, and uh, you know know the lay of the land, but also the cultural differences between the Netherlands and the United States. Yeah, which is an evolving thing for any person to sort of absorb and understand. So there's a lot of continuity in this program. Absolutely. That's the name of the game, really. Yeah. How is the NBSO supported? Uh, in terms of uh, the funding, uh, uh, f- funding, yeah, in terms of funding. the financial okay, money. The funding comes straight from the Ministry of Economic Affairs. Okay, very good, very good. Well, what, uh, so, yeah. you know, so that's meaning that what I just said about you, you remember the market scans, it's like um, we are taking care of those companies for their first step, baby steps, so to speak, in the United States. Yeah. <clears throat> and the Ministry of Economic Affairs takes care then that the intake is taken in the Netherlands, that we make the market scans. And that is all up to that moment for free. So they get a good idea of what they're up to and what the, you know, also what the dangers are potentially are there, of course. You know, that's, that's the whole thing. But they are the entrepreneurs. 
So at the end of the day, they make the decision, but we make sure that they get something for free that's very valuable to them. Excellent. Is, is there a set of risks that you keep an eye on? In other words, are there challenge areas that you like to watch as these uh, projects unfold? Well, uh, well, the last couple of years, years of course, I've very... Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Un, yeah, and uh, so, sort of on a global so, scale. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's funny thing was, it's for me, it's kind of like started about three years ago, I think, altogether 2007 and it developed in the course of 2007 then you see in 2008 because when it happens in the United States mostly it's half a year or a year later in Europe almost and that happened but then you know you get these stronger companies or these companies that are young and still are doing very well and they think you know hey I mean and last year we saw that we had about 100 trade requests from the Netherlands last year alone uh, but, but you know against the weak dollar at that time they think, hey, we got you know a euro that's worth a lot of money. Right. We are doing pretty good over here. We can sustain ourselves with the licenses or the copyrights from what we sell over here in the case of, of game companies. Now we want to make the jump to the United States because it's rather inexpensive for us to be there at least for three to six months, like in the incubator, and see what we can do. And if if it doesn't, it's not successful. At least we tried. It didn't cost us too much, and you know the MBSO or, you know, other people are guarding us against costly mistakes, like, you know, shady businessmen, so to speak. Yeah. What a fascinating space to be working in. How long have you been involved? Uh, I joined them two and a half years ago. So about two and a half years. That is, you know, on a fixed basis. And before that, I've done uh, freelance activities for them where it fits for them, where they needed more support to get to the right people or to the right networks, really. Very good. Peter Lannan, thanks so much for your time this morning on E-Factor Radio. The website is www.nbso-california.com. Peter is the International Trade Director, Chief Representative at the Netherlands Business Support Office, NBSO. Thanks so much for joining us, and congratulations on the work you're doing. Thank you so much, David. You've been listening to Small Biz Spotlight, up-close interviews with small business leaders and entrepreneurs. For more information about E-Factor Radio, visit eFactor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.